Hello, friends. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Hope everyone's doing well. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by, of course, our premier coffee sponsor, Hotshot Brewing. Go over there to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check out their full line of coffee. Uh, they definitely got this new Sawdust blend, and it is the business. Just saying. Also, they have a full line of apparel and a full line of tools of the trade to get your morning started right, like arrow presses and pour-over systems, even those tools to get you started on the line. Cold mornings, hot coffee, it's good stuff. Anyways, just want to give a shout-out to these guys because they are supporting the Anchor Point Podcast by slinging our merch. Yeah, for a limited time, you can go over there and get your very own Band of Brothers Anchor Point tee or sweatshirt for a limited time. But make sure you get it soon because it is limited run, limited edition, and supplies are going fast. So once again, that is www.hotshotbrewing.com. Check them out. It's good coffee for a good cause, and a portion of the proceeds goes to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. Get you some. And of course, we got another sponsor, the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience. So go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check them out. They have a, well, basically it's a digital storytelling platform for wildland fire, not only in the United States, but in Canada as well. Speaking of which, they've teamed up with Mystery Ranch and Water Axe Pumps to facilitate some grants for us in the field. Yeah. So if you happen to be a blogger, a writer, a cinematographer, or a photographer that's telling the story of Wildland Fire, definitely go over there and check them out because they are opening up their 2020 grants for, well, the 2020 season, obviously. But it is a $500 grant that you guys can get your hands on. So it'll help facilitate some of those adventures in the field, and it's a great cause. So Bethany, once again, thank you for running your wonderful organization. And uh, yeah. I'm sure there's more to come, so check them out. The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast, episode number 23. Today on the show, I've got Dr. Minda O's again. She's awesome. Anyways, today we're going to have a, a candid discussion about mental health and self-awareness and your mental well-being and physical well-being uh, during the off-season and that transition from the fire life to, air quotes here, normal life. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Minda O's, welcome to the Anchor Point. You ready to send it? I'm ready. All right, here we go then. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, 
Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast, episode number 23. Today on the show, I've got a recurring guest, Dr. Minda O's. Welcome back. Thank you for having me back. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm, I'm excited for us to get back together and talk about this stuff. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, I think that, you know, this was a good thing that we started texting back and forth and having the discussion about this being the right time to talk about off season and mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's perfect. You know, some people have already been laid off. Some are going to be laid off. And I think that this is a huge issue that, you know, we haven't been able to touch on because it's just part of the wildland culture, right? You just, it's just what you do. But I think there are better ways to transition and hopefully we can kind of go through those and add some tools for people to make it smoother. I think it's good. And uh, I think it's cool that we're just going to sit down and have a candid discussion about it because we always preach these, we were just having this discussion about how we're uh, the resiliency word, how that's such a catchphrase (laughs) and a buzzword these days. But in reality, there's more to it than just Mm -hmm. resiliency. Right. Oh yeah. There, there's so much to other things that are out there. And, and that's my big thing right now. And I'm glad we're just going to have the conversation is, is that now that we're talking about it, you know, people that haven't been passionate about it, doing it are just going to come out of the woodwork and they're going to have these like catch phrases and these miracle cures that people are going to latch onto. And I'm, I'm nervous that it's not going to be legit. It is worrisome, you know. I mean, we always kind of say that we're going to do as an agency, agencies, plural, a comprehensive health and wellness plans, right? I mean, what Mm -hmm. does that really look like to you? I mean, in reality, that takes a lot of work on your end from your personal uh, point of view as well, being the firefighter. The agency can't do it all for you. I just had this conversation with a couple that I had last night and they're, they're having communication issues. Like, duh, who doesn't, right? Yeah. But I told them, I said, listen, I'm not going to fix your marriage. I'm going to give you the tools and you're going to have to go home and you're going to have to work on fixing your marriage. And it's the same thing. And it is easier sometimes to be lazy and to let the problem continue than it is to actually put the effort in to make the changes. Oh, absolutely. But now is the time to reintegrate for us, at least for the Mm -hmm. wildland guys and girls out there. Now is that time where we're reintegrating ourselves into our friends, our family, our loved ones, our normal quote, I'm doing air quotes here, our normal life. So the purpose of this discussion is to provide some of those tools to listener of what we could do to add more of those tools into our toolbox for the off season. I think also the other thing that that I think we'll accomplish besides tools is normalizing what our normal feelings and thoughts um, that you guys have as you're transitioning that nobody can take away. You know, you're going to have these experiences and these feelings and some of them are just normal and you just got to kind of get through it till the transition is complete. I agree. And it's a thing is like time heals all, but also effort does a lot more into that as well. So but yeah. anyways, let's go over some of those tools. Let's let's just open up the discussion points. We shot a bunch of texts back and forth, and yeah. uh, well, it's, it's a lot. So <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot, Where, but it's yeah. needed. It's needed. It is needed, and I think that 
if I were to give you one of the most important tools to transition, it would be no different than what I would tell somebody that was getting ready to retire. You have to have a plan. You can't just work all summer, you know, just go, go, go. And then you get laid off. You have your end of the year party. Woo! Everybody's, you know, like, yes, I can't wait to do all these things I missed out on and go home and think that it's just now I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do. Because now when you get home, you have all those emotions and those feelings of the, you know, the anxiety and the things you're going to stress about, about money and the family and what you've missed out on. All those things now are just going to come flooding to the front of your head. And because you don't have a plan, you're going to get yourself stuck on the couch with beer in your hand and not able to get off the couch. Oftentimes when I was a younger firefighter, I'd find myself in that exact position. So, I mean, I think it's important to have that plan Mm -hmm. and also have contingency plans upon that as well. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, in fire, if you don't have a contingency plan, you don't have a plan. Exactly. You have to have the contingency plan because plan A may not work out for whatever reason, you know. But having a plan, when I say having a plan, obviously it means based on what your life is. Like for some guys and girls, if you don't have a significant other or kids at home, that's going to change what the plan looks like. You know, when you start adding layers of families, kids, spouses, these sort of things, that your plan gets way more layered and intricate because now you're trying to transition to a system that's been going on without you. And it's been moving. It didn't stop when you left. (coughs) Sorry, excuse me. Um, so now you have to like jump on a moving train basically. Exactly. And that's the thing too, is like, uh, the longer and longer that I did this career, I do this career for, um, the more I realized that I'm the more aware of my own anxieties of coming Mm -hmm. into the winter season. So I'm still not good at planning. (laughs) I mean, it's a rough plan. Let's be honest here. But I mean, how does, how does, I, I guess what I'm saying is how do we cope and manage these anxieties of reintegrating yourself back into what I call normal life, the real world? Right. Well, listen, you're going to have the anxiety. It's normal. There's nothing you, I think it's about embracing that, you know, it's coming and not trying to fight it and thinking like, I should be happy. I've been waiting to be off. Why am I anxious or why do I feel irritated? Um, why can I not be motivated and get myself up off the couch. Um, You have to embrace the fact that you are going to have periods of anxiety and depression and irritability. But what the plan does, if you create the plan before, even if you, you know, don't just create a plan in your head. That's, That's just abstract and it's not concrete and it's easily forgotten or changed. Write it down. You know, if some, some wildland guys and girls have to get a job, you know, when they get a job in the winter season. And so do you have that lined up? Do you know, is it a job you're going to return to? Do you need to look for a job? You know, that's going to be your number one thing you have to figure out is income. Maybe you saved enough or maybe your significant other is, has an income, but you have to figure out your income and, and that's going to be first is money. Money is definitely a, a large stressor, especially in the seasonal aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess when you work year round, that stress is still there, but it's not as prevalent, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, 
one thing that I struggled with when I was coming off of the uh, fire season is actually just finding that job because it is damn hard to find somebody, a temp agency or anybody that's going to hire you for six months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your best bet, which isn't that appealing, is going to be like stores for the Christmas season, you know, because they will hire you temp, you know, or UPS or, you know, they'll, they pick up extra people during the holidays, you know, but then lay you off. But that is the hardest part. That's why if you wait till the day you get home to start looking or figure out what you're going to doing, going to be doing for money, that is just going to add and compound the anxiety that you already feel from being home. Yeah. And we both know that unemployment does not cut it over the winter. Not unless you had a ripping season and you yeah. had that thousand hour plus season where you were actually able to save. Yeah. Unemployment just won't cut it. Yeah, I remember my son's first season as a hot shot and he came home from that season and he had made good money for a 19-year-old, right? <laughs> 19-year-old's view of money is very different than 30-year-olds, right? He was hot shot rich. <laughs> oh, he was hot shot rich. And so this fool went out and bought himself a new motorcycle. And I said, do you have a job already planned? And he was like, no, I got all this money saved. I said, well, that money runs out if you don't have another job. So he started the whole unemployment process. And holy smokes, that unemployment process is another level of stress. It is not easily easy. It is so complicated. They screw it up inevitably. Oh, yeah. They're late, they don't get you the money, or they needed you to sign something. Or I liked the phone call that my son had to do the interview where he, and he had to wait on the you know, for the phone interview or something like, a like that. Three and a half hour of wait time before mm-hmm. you can talk to somebody, then it's another hour and a half conversation with your adjudicator to actually get through the process. Yeah. So can you imagine if you already have anxiety? Right? You're already nervous about this whole transition and what you're gonna do for money. Um, along with anything else you're, you're feeling, and then you add this process to it. You know, it's just going to start compiling is what happens. Yeah. If you don't take care of it, uh, I guess from the get go or even (laughs) pre end of season, if you will, these Mm -hmm. effects, they tend to snowball. Oh yeah. And then you're just, you're in deeper and deeper and deeper and you just will find that you can't even find your way out or where to even start to get out it definitely spirals out of control. Uh, I've been there personally. Uh, mm-hmm. and I know that a lot of people, uh, that are listening have also encountered this as well. So with that being said, the money thing's going to be there. So you yeah. need to definitely plan for that, either get a job or have a solid plan for unemployment and how you're going to do that. Get um, your paperwork before you know, get all the paperwork and everything ready before you get home. Exactly. You know, pre, so that it's there. Even pre-fill it out while you're sitting, you know, getting ready to get laid off. Pre-fill out just the stuff that you know that you can put in there so that part of it's done and it makes that process easier. Yeah. And if you guys got a trade or anything like that, you guys and girls have a trade or anything that you happen to know, I mean, I don't advocate for working under the table, but maybe as a temp, uh, mm drywall hanger or framer or whatever, whatever trade, you know, definitely seek avenues to getting another job because if you have a purpose, (laughs) it's going to, it's going to help out a lot with your mental health (laughs) over the winter. 
Um, oh, heck yeah. And speaking of which, that's one thing that I truly did struggle with is that loss of purpose over the winter. You go from 120 miles an hour to practically reverse. What do we do about it? Well, yeah. Why, why do I even need to get out of bed today? Exactly. You know? it, and that's hard because that even happens to um, Wildland, to the fire guys that have significant others. They do have a purpose. They have kids or a significant other, but the overwhelming feeling of it not being as fulfilling or the same or as it as exciting as the fire was can feel like that isn't even a good enough purpose. No, it's not. And nothing ever compares. It's like we're chasing a high oh, with that mm-hmm. fire season. And my wife, when I first met her, <laughs> there were weeks weeks when I'd get laid off from uh, fire season that I just sit on the couch and play Skyrim all day, (laughs) all damn day. Mm -hmm. Don't fall into that trap. It's not good for you. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's okay to take a day or two here and there for yourself. Or when you first get home, you decide I'm going to take a couple days to just do nothing and chill out. There's nothing wrong with that. There's even nothing wrong with, I do it. My husband does it when he comes home. I was telling you today we did it. Um, sometimes it's just one of those days that you just call it. It's just going to be an unproductive day. You get the whole family on board that it's going to be an unproductive day and we're going to sit around and watch movies or just relax because sometimes you really do need that. Oh yeah. It's it's good to decompress and just veg out on the couch every while, but the problem <laughs> Don't is- live there. Yeah. Don't live there. That's the Mm -hmm. biggest thing is stay busy. Yeah. Well, and I say, usually I tell people one day, it's okay to have one day, but then, you know, you tell yourself tomorrow, I'm going to get back on a routine. Even if it's, you know, I know you guys hike and, you know, physical health is important. So, you know, I've even heard my son say this when he comes home, um, he doesn't work for the forest service, but Cal fire and he will, um, his girlfriend will say, let's go for a hike. And he's like, are you kidding? <laughs> you want me to hike on my day <laughs> off? Um, and so sometimes, you know, you get a little burnout with the whole working out thing. But I think finding a different workout regime at home um, will help also with that transition. Well, let's talk about the working out thing, too. Um, as far as like coming off the season, you definitely need time to repair Yes. You definitely need time to heal from all the damage and mm-hmm. effed up crap that you did to your body over the summer. I mean, you, like I said, you're doing 120 miles an hour and you just came to a screeching halt. You need to stay active, but you need to take approach as a, take an approach from a, like a healing perspective for your it's called active recovery, active recovery. Thank you very much. Exactly. So what you're, yeah. So, cause what you're doing is, is if you just sit on the couch Um, or don't do anything or don't keep moving, all those injuries or aches and pains, they just will stiffen up on you. Um, They'll tighten up. You you know, it it won't, you won't keep yourself limber. Um, And so, you know, finding when I say working out, I don't mean like, you know, you have to go for a hike or hit the CrossFit gym, but you could go for a stroll. You could ride a bike. You know, if you have a gym, you know, you could go just walk on the treadmill or if it has, if they have a pool, swim some laps, you know, something that is non-impact, um, but still keeps things moving. 
I got gotcha. you. Yeah, don't yeah. just hop into the CrossFit gym and start just cranking out PRs. That's that's a no. bad call. Give it a little it while is. before you start doing that. Wait until the spring training before you start doing that. Give yourself a month, you know, to just get your mind and body back on a different speed. And um, and and be, I mean, you guys need to be gracious to yourselves. You, you, you're very hard on yourselves and you expect a lot out of yourself. And I know that that comes from the grind of, you know, when you're on the cruise, you know, you have to, you have to work hard. You can't fall back in the line. You know, like you have to hustle all the time. So it takes a minute to shift that when you get home, you don't have to hustle to that level. No. And that's a hard thing too, is like reeling yourself back from Mm -hmm. that hustle. I mean, do you have any pointers as to how to approach that? Well, I mean, yes, I, I, again, the transition is super important. It again, and it's about embracing it. I mean, my husband has been in fire for 31 years this year. Day one, I talk about this. We've talked about day one, talk about it in the book a lot. Day one is biological. There's just nothing you can do to change it or prevent it. I think it's about being educated about what's going on with your body and knowing and embracing, okay, this is normal. I'm going to have anxiety today. It's going to take me a couple days to slow it down. And being aware of that because that's when you snap at the family or you're irritated because the house isn't clean, perfect, or the kids are loud, or they didn't put their toys away. You know, that's when you're going to still be on that mode of perfection and everything has its place and reminding yourself, okay, I'm at home. I know I feel irritated. So what can I do to distract myself? What can I go do to kind of distract myself to get through that first, you know, week for you guys, I would say. And that's another thing. Speaking of the family thing, that whole anxiety about family, Mm -hmm. because once we get laid off, holidays are right around the corner. And from my personal perspective, that shit is overwhelming. No, I don't want to go to your kid's birthday party. No, I do not want to go out for Thanksgiving. No, mm-hmm. I do I, I don't want to have all these people over for some events. It it just I don't know what it is. I just it's overwhelming. Yeah, and you're not the only one. You can ask any single firefighter from any sort of department or organization and they will all say the exact same thing. Um you I mean, you're just overwhelmed and overloaded. Your brain is just fried. Um, And so going around people, one, people, if your family or the people that houses that you're going to don't get what you do, then they can say really stupid things. You know, they can minimize what you do or crack a joke about what you do. Or sometimes I get like, they want to know, um, for the, for the municipal guys, they want to know like, what's the worst thing you ever saw? And they're like, I, I just want to sit here and, you know, so, you know, be quiet. I don't want to like get into all of this. And it kind of becomes very frustrating for the firefighter because the people they're with don't get it and they can't, and you're so anxious and you just can't fit in. And it's just this no win situation. I mean, it's true, but also I think that it's kind of important that you open up dialogue to whoever Mm -hmm. that you happen to be hanging out with at the time and kind of shine some light onto what you do just so they get a basis of understanding of what you do. But there again, there is the conflict because 
do you want to talk about fire and fire season when you're off and have to explain what you do to people that don't get it? Mm-hmm. That can be frustrating. I get you're right. I agree with you. You have to talk about, you know, what, you know, what's going to work for you. Even with your significant others, you have to create a dialogue about what does it look like when I get home? You know, what is your role going to be in the house? Like I said, you're trying to jump on a moving train and figure out now what is your role? Are you going to take over taking care of the kids? Are you going to be doing daddy daycare? And, (laughs) you know, are you now on, you know, the carpool um, list and you're picking up Sally and Joe and doing carpool are you, do you have snack days? You know, are you doing sports? Like you've got to know what is the expectations because that's going to be really overwhelming. Oh yeah. I mean, even if you're a single dude, um, or a single, uh, woman, you can even still experience this stuff. It doesn't matter if you have kids or not, or family, Mm -hmm. significant other or anything else like that. Just being in public. Oftentimes I found myself just like looking at the door, looking for exits. I don't even know why, there's no reasons. It's not like I'm law enforcement. And I'm looking for an exit strategy, but still I find myself looking for an escape route or found myself looking for an escape route in these situations. That's your anxiety because when you get to, when you haven't switched or transitioned completely and you're still like high up on that anxiety, you've convinced what you've done is you've told your brain there's perceived threat somewhere. That's why I feel this way. There's a threat somewhere. I don't know where, but I, I I feel it. So your brain clicks into that fight or flight and starts um, releasing what it needs to release because you've told it there's something bad going to happen. So then you get this heightened awareness, right? Where you are hypersensitive to loud noises, where you'll jerk your head and look around as somebody drops something. Or like you said, you're looking for your exit Um, or all of a sudden, um, it sounds like when you're like in the mall or home Depot and it sounds like white noise and you can't really, right. Pick out what people are saying because you are so up in this like red zone of fight or flight because you, your anxiety has convinced your brain you're in danger. And that's one of those things that I always had a hard time dealing with. Mm -hmm. And I just, over time, I had to realize that this is a glide path scenario. It's an arcing downward thing to where you normalize. You can't just like switch off your work brain. It just doesn't work like that. Well, and and that's the thing why, you know, that this conversation is going to be really good when I said we're normalizing because the guys think that firefighters, uh, wildland and they think that when they go home that it's just going to be back to normal and it's not no matter how know. hard you try I know in your hearts you want to be and you want to get re-engaged and, and you've missed out on a lot and but you cannot think that that first week you're going to be any sort of a normal human being because you're <laughs> going to be this hybrid you've got one foot still out in the black and one foot at home and so it's this hybrid version of you, and it just is that transition that you slowly get in back into the home. I even think it's even longer than a week per se. It's it's even hard to put a timeline onto where you truly return to normal because by the time, for me personally, coming mm-hmm. from personal experience, that I return to a normal baseline human function, not mm-hmm. firefighter function, but baseline human. It was already time to start ramping up for the springtime. 
And that's, that's not healthy. So that's why I'm hoping that with us talking and people understanding that you're being more intentional about um, ramping it down sooner. So when you're just kind of going with the flow and you kind of just don't know what you don't know, uh, you just do the best you can. But the more we talk about mental health, the more the conversations are happening out there and the more resources, the goal is, is that you become aware and you understand, okay, the first week is probably going to be a shit show. Oh, yeah. But by week two, you should start the, you know, the path down. The you downward should, trend. Yes, you should be starting it. And that, but that takes your intention. That takes you to be consciously thinking, okay, I need to now start my routine. Even if you get yourself a whiteboard and you put it up on the wall and you put the days of the week and you create a schedule for yourself, you know, like I'm going to go work out or I take the kids to school or, you know, I'm going to run errands or whatever it is that you want to do, or I'm going to look for a job or I'm going to go to work if you have a job. Um, and then you write what you're going to do in the afternoon, but creating something for yourself to visually see definitely helps you stay intentional to help make that a, a better, smoother process. I gotcha. It's just more of creating uh, better habits from the get go and, yeah. and committing to them. Yeah. Cause you're not going to wake up. I'm telling you, if you don't put effort, I mean, people tell you, right. You, you get what you put into life, right? It's the same thing with this. If you just sit on the couch and feel anxious and depressed and miss the guys and all that stuff and think that just, if you keep sitting there, that magically happiness is going to find you, your mistake, you know, like you're, it's not going to happen. You're going to be disappointed. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, that's part of adopting those healthy habits things. Mm -hmm. That's, that's very critical to your mental well-being and your physical well-being as well during the off season. So speaking of healthy behaviors and healthy habits, let's get into that. Yeah. Well, you know what happens. I mean, if you don't, you know, if the plan isn't working or you didn't make a plan and let's say one of the biggest issues that I see, you know, people for the, for forest service and BLM, a lot of the firefighters travel to a, to their location and then they travel back home. Like mm -hmm. they don't always live right where they work. Some do, but some don't. It's kind of and rare actually. To live where you work. Yeah. From yeah. what I've experienced, I've, I've gotten lucky in the past few years. So yeah, people, that's what I see. That's more of what I see than not see. Um, and so what is that person going home to? You kind of are don't they going, know. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know. Are they going home to a completely empty apartment or house? Are they going home to um, maybe they're going back to their parents' house and they live in a bedroom? Or maybe their marriage was is falling apart and now they got to go home straight into conflict. So you don't know what you're going home to. Um, and that obviously adds to the equation. So those healthy behaviors can get screwed up right off the bat. And the biggest one, you know, it is what I'm going to say is drinking. <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing too, is we're, as far as a culture goes, yep. we're a pretty surly bunch. Yes. And, and, and I'm not saying that everybody should all of a sudden become non-drinkers. That's not the case, but you can become, have a drinking problem before you know it. 
You know, it's like hanging out with the friends and you have a couple beers or, you know, you have that anxiety that we talked about and you're ramped up and you haven't been able to figure a way to come down. So the alcohol makes you come down. So you're like, okay, that gives me relief. But, you know, it gets more and more and more as you go along. You're self-medicating at that point. Yeah. Well, and then if you're not sleeping, are you adding sleep stuff, you know, sleep medications on top of that? Then you know, you're going to wake up to start that all over again. You know, uh, I had a discussion with Dr. Randy Brooks uh, on a previous episode saying, and he was basically saying that alcohol destroys, absolutely destroys your sleeping patterns. Oh, yeah. A lot of guys will say, it helps me sleep. You pass out. What you you do is, is you pass out. That's not REM sleep. And the way that your body recovers and repairs and rejuvenates is when you go into REM sleep. Um, and alcohol absolutely keeps you out of REM sleep. And you'll be, uh, you'll sleep, you may sleep for a few hours and then wake up. And then you may sleep for a couple hours and then wake up. So it's very broken and just awful sleep. Oh, yeah. I have one of those Fitbit trackers and actually, uh, I, I try and take notes about when I do drink before I go to bed mm-hmm. and compared to when I don't. And it, it is vastly different. If you guys think, the guys and girls that are out there listening think that I'm full of crap, try it. Yeah. You'll, You'll have more awake periods. You'll have those spikies. I've done it too. And you have those spikes, you yep. know, where it, and then it's like, and then it'll total it. And one night it totaled it for me. And I had only had like three drinks. So, you know, because I'm not a big drinker. Mm-hmm. And it said the amount of REM sleep was like 30 minutes. That's it? That was it. And my, like, my awake period was like four hours and 20 minutes or something. It was ridiculous. Oh, man. That's, so, it's not good. That's for sure. Especially oh, no. when it becomes a problem. If it becomes a problem. I mean, it, basically the way you stated it there, it's not a matter of really if. It's a matter of when it becomes yeah. a problem. If it is your go-to coping skill, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. It, it's definitely going, it'll just be a matter of time before it does. And, you know, once you start using that as your coping skill, everything else in your life is going to fall apart. Absolutely. It'll, it'll start deteriorating slowly over time. And that's another thing too, is that could easily snowball into self-medicating with other drugs as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, you're off season. And marijuana is legal? Not for us. I mean, it oh, is legal statewide. I mean, state to state, it's a state issue. Um, right. But as far as a federal government sense, it is very not legal. If we get piss tested. If you get caught. Yeah, if we get piss tested, then it's... Do you get piss tested on, on off-season? No, and I know there's a lot of people in uh, the fire industry that do partake in the devil's lettuce. But um, just keep in mind that it yeah. is not legal. Like you could oh, okay. very well lose everything if you come back and you piss dirty. Do you know how many people though take that chance that it's off season, and how how is anybody going to know? So you know, I do know that a lot of people take the chance. Um, I do know a lot of people take yeah. the chance. But what here's the thing: I don't know if people know it. It, that THC stays in your blood system for at least 30 days. At least. That depends on your metabolism and your body yeah. fat and all that other stuff. So And how much you've been smoking. Exactly. Um, when I was working with um, addicts and they would have to do their random testing, 
uh, they all they tested dirty the first three to four months, but what they what the the courts would look at is as if the THC level was decreasing because that's how they would know that they were not doing it. So a lot of people don't realize that it stays in their system that long. And it does. I don't think a lot of people know that either. And I think that a lot of people are unaware of the fact that federal drug testing is a mm-hmm. lot more sensitive than just going to take a piss test for Joe Blow uh, public, I, you know, random the CBS company. store, buy exactly. it at the store. <laughs> yeah. But the point is I'm getting at with the whole marijuana thing is, um, you know, it is still a substance. It is still a mind altering substance mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be used to self medicate for other things like depression or anxiety right. or anything like that. Yeah. The other thing I see a lot also is it is common. I see it in a lot in men is that any emotion they have, whether it be depression or sadness or anxiety, it all looks like anger. I can, I can get on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> it all resembles anger and irritation. And so you will lash out more at people in your lives, you know, for no apparent reason. It's not that they deserved it, um, but your reactions will start to get more exaggerated or they won't fit the situation. And I tell people, if you, somebody in your life, more than one somebody says, you seem angry, is something wrong? If somebody keeps saying that to you, you need to stop and take a look that maybe you are acting angry. And they're not just saying that. I can definitely see that. And like, have you ever heard of the term uh, resting bitch face or resting asshole face? (laughs) Yes. I've seen some of these guys and girls come off the line uh, after the season. It's just like written all over the face. I could see it. Yeah, you can. You can feel it. You can just see how they walk. They don't even look approachable. Oh, yeah. They're walking around like they got a chip on their shoulders. Now, imagine that walking in the door and there's little kids or a significant other that's so excited. So you have to remember when those of us that are spouses are at home, we all we can think about is that we miss you and we can't wait for you to come home. So the minute you walk in the door, we are on you. Oh, yeah. Well, it's even worse, too, because even if uh, back to the drinking thing, too, the worst has the potential to come out with you because alcohol, Mm. it is. It gets rid of your filter. It gets rid of your filter and you're going to be perceived as more of an asshole or more of a bitch (laughs) if you've been drinking. So it's going to seem a lot. Well, and alcohol, this is what I say. Alcohol brings out the true you. Yep. So if you're an angry drunk, um, people are like, but he's never angry when he doesn't drink. He's an angry person. He's just hiding it. The alcohol just takes your ability to keep the facade up. And so whatever somebody is when they're drunk is what's going on inside. So if you have a crying drunk, you have an angry drunk, that is what's going on inside. God, that's, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's totally true. The drunk you is the real you. That's for uh-huh. sure. Because you don't have the ability to fake it and hide it. Exactly. And so now as far as problem drinking grow, uh, goes, I mean, what is, uh, you shot me a text for the CDC. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The CDC says that four drinks a day or 15 a week is considered binge drinking. Yeah. Now, is that's that for a man? That's for, that's for a male. Yeah. For a male, the numbers are lower for a woman. Um, I think it's, I think the man is actually five and 15 and the female is four and 12. Is that just based off of metabolism and size? 
size. Yeah, it's, I, the, I don't know how the CDC came up with it, but they came up with it um, because I, I was having a conversation. We were talking about binge drinking and we were posing as a question, like, what do you think binge drinking is? And I was like, oh my God, even as a clinician, I don't know what I think binge drinking is. Like, I don't know how to quantify that, like passing out, right? I don't know yeah. numbers. I was just like, I don't know. So we uh, looked it up in this class I was in and I was shocked myself because I was like four a day for me or 12 a week, you know, that's, that's a lot. It puts it in perspective. Like, Holy crap. I, I, now I get what binge drinking is. Like I have a mental picture of it now. Yeah. It's it's good to put numbers to that too. So I guess that's another tool for uh, a little bit of awareness for the people that are out there. Um, but I mean, for me, my own preconceived notion of binge drinking or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's like going out on the weekend and blacking out drunk with your friends. Yes. That's my definition. I mean, it's something a lot of like, people's definitions. Exactly. And something like this, that's like straight up alcoholism to me. I mean, that seems like a lot. Well, here's the thing is, is that a lot of people think like if you try to talk to somebody and say, well, do you think you have a drinking problem? And they'll say, no, I go to work I pay my bills or I only drink on the weekends. There are all sorts of levels of drinking that would constitute a problem. And one of the ways that we define like dependence and abuse is if you drinking causes like some sort of um, quality of life or dissatisfaction or you, um, it creates problems in your life, social, uh, family work, but you keep doing it even though, you know, that's a problem. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So if you know, when I have a couple right now that I'm working with and he knows every time he drinks, he says the cruelest things to his wife. And I, I just asked him, he's like, I, I never do it. And I go, so what's the common denominator here? He was like, when I drink. Alcohol. Okay. Alcohol. So, you know, it's a problem, but you keep doing it. You know that you're not nice when you drink and you know that you and your wife get into these ugly fights and you basically tell her you want a divorce every time you drink, but yet you don't, you haven't stopped yourself from drinking yet. That's a problem. I agree. And that's the thing is like, you need to address these problems right when they're happening, you know, or else it's going to snowball out of control. Right. But a lot of people, what we, a lot of people are what we call functional alcoholics. Now, what would be a functional alcoholic? You get up and go to work. Drunk, Um, pissed drunk. uh, No, not necessarily. You could, maybe you have figured out how to, how much you can drink. Or that does being an alcoholic doesn't mean you have to drink every single day. There's some people that um, don't drink when they go on shift, right? There's some people that go on fire assignments for 14 days and don't drink. But the minute they get off, it's game on. It's game on. And they make up for and they they do binge and they drink the entire time they're off. Oh, man. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, that also tends to snowball into other things, too, because alcohol is a depressant. So mm-hmm. as far as like compounding things on your mental health, it makes it worse. It makes it worse. And here's the other thing. A lot of people think that if I could just like, if something bad's going on, on in their life or 
the season didn't end well. Let's say I, I have been on calls where some, a hotshot got hurt and it was their last assignment and that's how they ended the, the season. So that's really, that's a whole nother issue, you know, depending on how your season ends, if it ends on a bad note. But they will think that drinking will get me through the grieving process, basically. And this way I explain it to people. It doesn't get you through the grieving process. It's kind of like when you refinance your house, right? The stuff that you're behind on, it just goes to the end of the loan. Yeah. But you still got to get, you still have it. You're still paying interest on it. You're still paying it. So what happens when you, the time you drink is the time that gets added to the end of this whole grieving process. So you just postpone it. That's all you're doing is you're just, that's all you're, doing. you're just trying to temporarily solve a problem. Put and whatever, up, and yeah. then whatever else you do while you're drunk, you have to deal with. Exactly. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I've made some piss poor decisions when I've been drunk. Oh, all of us have. Yeah, <laughs> Come on. Everybody. everybody at some time in their life has drank too much or had a spell, a rough spot, right? Yeah. That's being human. <laughs> That's human. That doesn't mean you're an alcoholic. That doesn't mean you need to go to AA or check yourself in, you know, but it's the people that consistently drink even regardless of the damage it does to their life and the, the negative effects it has and they continue to do it. That's a problem. Well, it's interesting too. Um, let's go. You mentioned something earlier in that uh, saying ending your, your season on a bad note, right? Yes. And now a gentleman texted you. We can't yes. name names of course, right? Uh, but he brought up some freaking awesome points. So as far as like, the drinking, how that ties into the bad season, how this uh-huh. all plays together. Let's let's go over some of his topics that he sent in. Okay. It's going to look at his over right, there. So he had some good ones. He did, and this one is uh one that stood out to me. Oh. Where is it? Um Oh yeah, recently the region has made poor planning decisions and yo-yos and temps and crews about dates. So I'm 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 just going to say that he uh he's talking about hiring and when yeah. they're getting laid off yes this is a huge problem mentally right you don't right. unknown like when am i going to come back on when am i going to get laid off all of that stuff that was a good question well yeah because you're especially if you're um if you've got family right and uh, i'm a wife right the first thing i start asking as i know it's getting close is what what day are you coming home is there a date yet? Is there a date yet? You know, my husband just got off the Kincaid fire and, um, I usually don't ask because you're going to get disappointed, but I went ahead and asked cause he was gone for so long on this one. And he had told me Monday. So I was like, okay. I was like, he's like, I'm pretty sure. I was like, cool. He called me like Sunday and he goes, he, I'm so sorry. He goes, they've moved it to Thursday. And I was crushed oh, yeah. and I was angry at him. I was angry at the department. I was just angry in general. And so when you move those dates around like that, nobody can kind of start getting their mind ready for the transition because that's where you start the transition is when you get your date. Yeah. Right? You start already mentally preparing for, okay, what do I need to do here? You know, at you know, where I'm at with the cruise, you have your end of the season parties, the, all the stuff you have to do. And then what I'm going to do when I get home. So you're starting already, but if they don't give you a date, 
a concrete date, then it's hard to adjust. Well, that's the thing. They can never really give you a concrete date, especially in region five. I mean, Jesus, the fire season is becoming (laughs) year round now. So they're never ending. However, it is actually cool finally and rain is supposed to be coming. So that's a good thing. Hopefully you guys get a break. Yes, that would be uh, really nice. I mean, and you know, the regular people don't realize that this was actually a really, really slow fire season. Oh, yeah. For, that was nationally. It was a slow fire season. Sands, Alaska, of course. Right. Yeah. Well, in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're just now getting into their fire season. And uh, I've got a lot of people down there sending me a bunch of cool pictures. So shout out yeah. to you guys in Australia. Be safe. Yeah, definitely. I met some. Um, they are nurses that work on the ambulance. They have a nurse on some of the ambulances in Australia. Mm-hmm. And they were at that conference I was at and um, they were telling us how they do things. And they were, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Their EMS system is wildly different from it's ours. Completely different. It's almost like a mobile ER. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Their inside of their ambulances are pretty cool. Uh, one of my buddies, when we were down there, he was telling me about it, but uh, yeah, it sounds yeah. like it's vastly different than what we have here. Vastly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think the dates are, are really hard. And if you're any sort of leadership also, if you're a oh, superintendent yeah. or anything, it makes it hard for you to make plans of yeah. prepping your your crew um, to leave and getting everybody ready to come back and, you know, all the training that you guys have to do, the, the research that you have to do. Exactly, too. And I can imagine what it looks like from uh, a hotshot superintendent's point of view. You know, you're responsible for the livelihoods of 20 people plus and not being able to tell them concrete things Mm. or having to go back on your word. That's got to be stressful Uh, in itself. Yeah. Like, Hey guys. And then could you imagine one of the crew saying, but I already told my wife, Exactly. I told my family and now you got to call. Oh, that would, that would you, that would weigh on a soup, I think. Oh yeah. I, yeah. It would weigh on me as, you know, as what I do if I were in that situation. Yeah. But. Um, one of the other things that I, I wanted to address that he addressed, and I definitely know is a huge issue, is adjusting back to normal life is lonely. It is. It is super. You feel so isolated coming off the fire season because you, I, I don't know, you lost your one, your fire family, so to speak, and then you're coming right. in back into your real life, I guess. Yeah. Well, and it's not the same. I mean, when I, if I, when I worked in EMS, you know, my partner and I, we spent, I worked 24 hour shifts. So we sat in an ambulance for 24 hours together. Yeah. We went everywhere together. We went and ate together. We went to the hospital together. We would go back to our quarters together and you just get, it's close in a different way. And yeah, it's not the same as your significant other. Not that it's better. It's just way different. I could imagine, uh, I hate making, drawing comparisons to the military, but it's like having your battle buddy, you know, you got your, your saw partner on the crew. Mm-hmm. That is like your homie. Like they yeah. do anything for you. And if you were in a pinch, they would do anything for you and you would yeah. do the same for them. And that's a unique bond that firefighters, military, uh, police that they all share. It's a very common thing that we share and losing that in a seasonal temporary position it yeah. sucks. Well, and you, and you know, it's, let's be honest, you know, some of these fire assignments are fun. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of jackassing and a lot of good joking and humor that goes on and you just can't replicate that. Cause in, 
the real world, you've got bills and you've got the house to clean and you have family and you have responsibilities that are just totally different and not fun at all. Oh, absolutely. But one of those things though, too, is like, I think that it brings up a good point is to keep in touch with each other. So huge. Um, one of the, like I said, the one call that I went on, uh, a Sawyer, he got, uh, a limb fell on him. He was okay. He got hurt, but a limb fell on him. Mm -hmm. They ended really bad. And there were a couple of the crew that were going back home and it was like far away, different state. And we helped them set up a plan that they were going to like battle buddies, text each other, check in because you just don't know, like we said earlier, what that person's really going home to. And you've had such a strong bond for this summer season to just not communicate anymore. That's like, would be a huge loss that you would have to grieve, you know? And what if some of the crew don't come back? Exactly. Now you've lost this friend or this person. And I had a hotshot soup tell me one time, I'm not used to having long-term friends. I'm just used to um, seeing you during fire season. Holy shit. You just hit the nail on the head with that statement right there. Because he was put, because what I, I had run a call with him. And so I had texted him periodically like, hey, how's it going? And he was really uncomfortable with me texting. And I was like, what's, why? What's up? And he's like, I'm just not used to these like long-term friendships. I'm used to just like run into you at the fire and we catch up. Hey, what's up? And that's the commitment level. So, uh, have you ever seen that movie Fight Club? Single serving oh, friends? Yes. Single yes. serving friends. That's uh, yes. a lot of times that's how I feel with <laughs> sure. a lot of the people that we meet in the fire service. That's true. And then you think about, too, people that don't get the job, you know, uh, that are at home that are, you know, have regular jobs. Maybe they're going to get their feelings hurt or feel like you left them behind because you don't have time to text or chat or do things with them because you're out on a fire. So they just decide, well, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. So not only did you lose your crew, but you come home and you may have lost a couple of friends at home also. And he addresses that in the uh, text messages that he shared with us. Um, friends move on or change in and each year. Or Sorry, let me read that again. Yeah. Friends move on or change, and each year I lose more because they don't understand the job. Also, I get irritated talking about it and don't like it when people ask me what I do, mostly because it comes with an uneducated assumption, and then I get told how to cope with stuff. Yes. Wow, people, man. That people was, have advice. That's heavy. That's heavy, but that's so true is that people have, oh God, people have advice for everybody. Oh yeah. Opinions you know, are and like they, assholes. Right. And, and it's so, and I think that for the most part, it's from a good place, but they're just so uneducated. They don't and speak ignorant the language. To, they don't speak the language. They have no idea. And they think, think, well, you're home. So what's the problem? Like, why should you, you're, you shouldn't be stressed. Now you're home. Like, why aren't you happy that you're home? It's almost more just, stressful coming home sometimes than it is out oh. on the fire line. I mean, it's what long periods of boredom and fucking around followed by, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then you come home and it's just this constant barrage of anxiety. Yeah. So I've went, uh, I've worked with the military and veterans and they've said that they felt the most the, the, at their best, the best version of themselves when they were deployed. I think that's a sentiment that's very shared. Yeah. 
It's just you're at your you're you're so focused and your thinking is so clear and your purpose for life is absolutely so clear. Well, I think that we also have normalized our occupations to where that is the normal for us. So coming back to this mundane laid off season where everything, well, it's not mundane, it's overwhelming, quite frankly, but uh-huh. we come back to this normal life, doing the air quotes again, Yeah, that it's, it's not the same. You lose that purpose. And he addresses that in his, in his text as well, mm-hmm. too. Well, too, you know, it's like, um, there's even a, a really, really good movie that actually kind of lays that out and shows you is, uh, have you ever seen the Hurt Locker? Yep. And there's a scene where he gets back and he's grocery shopping and he's standing there looking at the aisle for cereal. And like, it's this, like just the saddest moment because it's kind of like, is this what I've been reduced to now? I was out Mm -hmm. disarming bombs and somebody important with like this mission and drive. And now here I am at the grocery store looking for cereal. I know it, it, I, that's a, like I said, that's a sentiment that's shared uh, with us. Yeah. But how do we truly cope with that? How do we address that? You have to fill your life with stuff that does. It's never going to meet that level. And, and I think that's what you have to come to terms with, that you have to learn to accept and embrace is that the only time you're going to feel that is out on the line. That's where that is, and that's where that stays. You will never find that level at home. This is why sometimes there's cheating also, because when you get home, you feel like your marriage is boring, or you feel like your relationships are unfulfilling and boring, and then you meet this new somebody, and it's all fun, you know, in the beginning with all the butterflies and all the feelings, and you're like, oh, see, I could have this again. And you just don't realize it's because it's new and it's because you're cheating and doing something bad that creates that adrenaline. But it's about, you know, figuring out again, the plan. I know it's easier said than done, but having the plan, having hobbies, maybe you decide to take some online courses. Maybe you work on a degree, you know, while you're off season, you just keep doing that and commit to like, I'm going to finish my AA or my bachelor's off season and you work on the, the online classes for that, start new hobbies. Um, the other thing, there are studies that show vol- volunteering lowers depression by 30%. 30%? If wow. you volunteer. No shit. Because you're helping others, it gets you outside of yourself. Right. It's if you're sitting on the couch playing video games or watching Netflix and drinking or sitting by yourself, it's really easy to to see your problems bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you get outside of yourself and you go help and, and volunteer somewhere, you see that your problems aren't as big as you thought they were. Kind of puts things in perspective, I guess you could say. Yeah. Gets you outside of your own head for a little bit. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like volunteering is great. Like uh, if anybody has had the opportunity to do it, you know what I'm talking about. It's great. Yeah. But also if you haven't done that, try it out. Yeah. You can even volunteer and it doesn't have to be a homeless shelter or anything like that. It could be even volunteering for something that you're interested in. I know there's uh youth groups out there for climbing or snowboarding yep. or 
I mean, every once in a while, I'll go down and coach a CrossFit class, and I don't expect anything. I just do it for the hell of it because I like it. It makes me feel good. You can go to the animal shelter. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, you can go to the animal shelter. You can go to a senior, like a retirement home, not a convalescent home, but, you know, like more of like a retirement facility. Mm -hmm. You can do that. Um, Those places are actually, I always like those places because they have the best stories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. They have some stories, uh, but you just have to find places that you can volunteer because I'm telling you, it does feel amazing. Uh, one one uh, organization that I want to give a shout out to is definitely the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Go volunteer oh, yes. at one of their races. It's really cool. And, yeah. well, you get a free race entry. So <laughs> it's, <it'll keep> you, <laughs> not only will yeah. it get you out the door and volunteering, but it'll also uh, keep you active. Yeah, and that is a huge cause because we all have moms, right? Yep. We all, lots of people have sisters and you may have daughters and that's a, that's a huge cause that, you know, we haven't been able to conquer yet. So that is, that would make you feel good for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so volunteering is good. Um, again, hobbies. I, what happens is even like if you play an instrument, music is so healing for the soul. Oh, yeah. And I had another, because uh, I swear I did most of my first five years with just the Forest Service and BLM, <laughs> but I had another hotshot suit that played the guitar. Oh, yep, see, <laughs> guitar. And he played the guitar, the suit that I know. And just some things went bad on with the crew, some bad stuff he experienced and witnessed, and he felt guilt about having pleasure or, like, he felt like he shouldn't be happy because something bad had happened to one of his crew. And so he didn't pick up his guitar for like six months. Oh, wow. And so he said he finally convinced himself to pick it up. And he said it felt so good to play it again. It's probably very therapeutic. It's very therapeutic. Music is very healing to the soul. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. What, all right. So what about like listening to music even? The best. I am a huge uh, album collector. I like vinyls. Guilty. There's my inner hipster right there. (laughs) Yeah, that's mine too. I I got a record player a couple years ago. And so whenever I go places, even if I go out on calls and stuff, I try to find record stores and Mm -hmm. pick up an album or something. And um, sometimes I'll just put records on and just do whatever my chores are. But I'll have the my music playing and my records going, and it's just it does lift your soul for sure. Absolutely, and it's also a hobby as well. So right. a, a healthy hobby. It doesn't involve drugs or alcohol or sex yeah. or anything. So it's good. And what if you want to try? What if you don't know how to play an instrument? You it's a maybe great that's something opportunity to learn. You can rent instruments. You don't have to buy one. So you know the excuse oh, I can't afford it. There's some places that will let you rent musical instruments. Um, to see if you like it, um, and take lessons and, and start there. And then if you don't like it, it's not a big investment. There you go. No, that's a good start. Yeah. Th- yeah. What, all right. So what about like creating a side hustle? Cause I did an episode on creating a side hustle as well. Yeah. So what do you think? Oh, about I that? think absolutely. I think if you ask a lot of firefighters, even the municipal guys, they all have side hustle. They all have a side job that they do. Um, sometimes it turned out to be a hobby. Usually it's like something they liked doing, whether it was like woodworking or making cabinets or tile work or 
something like that. Um, but having a side hustle is good uh, for money and keeps you occupied. And it's there available when you're off season. It's not something you have to recreate. Yeah, it's something that's always there that if you're passionate about it enough, there's always time to do it. So, And it's there when you need it. It's not like yeah. you have to go and do something to do this, you know? Right. I mean, there's so many things you can do. I mean, you could start reading. If you don't like reading, you could, they have now download books and listen to them. Yeah. You know? Speaking of books, Linda. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'm going to shamelessly promote your book here because I actually really enjoyed it. It was a great book. Thank you very much. It's it's nice to hear that it's helping people. I do get a lot of shout outs and that it's helping. So I'm really grateful for that. But that and speaking of that, connect with other people that are firefighters. You don't need to connect with just wildland guys, maybe, or guys that were in your crew. Maybe in your um, town there's wildland or parks or BLM and you don't work with them, but maybe you can create some sort of support group or get together and go bowling or. That's one thing I definitely want to try and uh, push an issue with a uh, push with the podcast at least is, you know, having people, Hey, let's have a get together, a, a firefighter yeah. get together. I think that we should do more, put more effort into stuff yes. like that. Just every once in a while, periodically, you know, Hey, let's go get lunch or something like that. Let's get a big ass group of us together. And go do yep. something. And and that's huge. You know, a lot of retired guys do that. You know, they'll have their retired guys group. But, you know, like for me, I don't live in Long Beach. So I don't have access to other firewives that my husband works with their significant others. So where I live, I have friends that are firewives that my husband doesn't work with them. And, and but we are a support system to each other. And you know, like the text was saying that this guy that sent me this text, you know, your regular friends don't get it. That doesn't mean you don't, you don't have regular friends. I have a good mix. I have some regular friends because sometimes I just want to like be regular. Yeah. And then I have my first responder friends because sometimes you just want them. You just want to hang out with people. They get it. That yeah, they understand it on a different level. You don't have to explain anything to them. They just get it. Just so on the same page, on the same page. And you don't have to explain anything. You don't have to have awkward conversations. And so, but you don't have to hang out with just the people you work with. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a thing too, is like you, there are other firefighters besides the ones on your crew. So take advantage. Yes. Of that. Yeah. Who knows? It could Create be, a bowling league. There's something, anything, something, softball. Anything. I don't know. But that's yeah. another thing too, is like that has long-term effects too. I mean, that, could build more cohesiveness for the next season even. For the, if you hang out with the guys? Yeah, people that have done a different station or a different engine or different crew or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And if you're in a, you know, if you're hanging out and you've got this network and you're connected, then you're going to be in a better mindset, a better, you know, mental health position. When you start the spring, you're already going to be feeling better and doing better. Yeah, I no, I, I highly agree with you. Speaking of mental health, um, I was reading the text from the gentleman that you got with, that we've been texting with, and yeah. he was saying that where was it? Um, the high, this job understand that this job has the highest highs and the lowest lows. Yeah. So now, 
say all the things that we've been talking to, none of them are talking about on during the episode. None of them have been helping. You have yeah. spiraled. You've hit that snowball and it's out of control. What are some things that we can do? I would say it's time to reach out and try to find a clinician that you can talk to in your area. You know, um, and we talked about this on the last uh, episode we did. You know, if you don't know where to look, you know, hit up peer support within uh, the Forest Service or BLM. The, you know, the peer support programs are huge. Um, that is the one thing that they have worked on consistently is the peer support program. So if you're struggling, you know, you can get on, I'm not sure of the Forest Service website, but I know BLM, their website, they have the um, the website that Nelda created that will have peer support. They'll have ways that you can contact somebody to ask, who, where do I go? Yeah. And that's one I, I'm not familiar with the website, uh, this specific yeah. link, but definitely before this episode posts, uh, goes to air, I'll definitely add it into the show notes. I'll, de- yeah. I'll do my damnedest to find it. I will help you also. So we have the link to the forest service one as well as the BLM one so that people have at least access to that. And I think that this is a, a place where the wildland community needs to grow is having some sort of resource pot, you know, that people can go to for the clinicians, for, you know, groups that may be around support groups. Also, you know, we talked earlier about trauma retreats. Yeah, we did. We went into like an hour long conversation before we even started. (laughs) Before we even started. And the trauma retreats are, it's a new uh, treatment service that's kind of come about because of first responders, but it's most places are like four to five days. Uh, You just, they have just first responder tracks. So you're just with a first responder. So you may be with wildland, you may be with municipal, you may be with a cop, but you're all just first responders. And you do uh, a lot of work on, Maybe you had, maybe you were involved in an incident in your season. Um, Maybe you were involved in a line of duty death. Maybe you know somebody that killed themselves and you're struggling with that. So you can go to these retreats and um, some departments and insurances are now paying for them. So they can help you with the cost. And you do, you'll do some EMDR, maybe some yoga, some meditation. You'll do you know, the therapy part of it, you'll bond with these other people that have had similar experiences. And that can be, I've had quite a few of my clients that I've sent. And I mean, they come back different people. Amazing. Just night and day, huh? Night and day. Just happier. You know, they're utilizing the the tools. They teach them how to actually meditate and how to do it every day and why, and, and they get to feel how it has an effect, a positive effect. So they're actually practicing these mindfulness techniques and becoming not necessarily masters of it, but they have the foundation to become a master of it. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Plus they create what they call cohorts. So most places only allow like six to eight at a time because it has to be intimate, but they, um, they stick together. They say on a group text and now you've just created a support system that you can keep. And speaking of support systems that you can keep, what about just talking to each other? Like the random check-ins, 
I mean, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. It's, it is huge just because you go off on your separate ways. I mean, I get it. It's really hard because everybody's trying to get back into their regular lives and pay attention to their kids and their spouses and significant others. But the nice thing about technology now is that texting literally takes you two seconds. Oh yeah. Say, Hey, how's it going? And that's another thing too. It's like, I, I don't know. A, a gentleman approached me and he was saying that, you know, Hey, just a caveat to the whole like checkup on each other thing. Don't just blatantly ask, Hey man, how you doing? No, fine. It's what you get back. Exactly. Good. So ask I, what have you been up to? Any new hobbies? Um, how's the kids? Uh, are you working? Ask specific questions. Don't ask these blatant, like broad, how's it going? Yeah. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't because where do you start? Like you, I know for me, I'd be like, do they really want to hear how shitty my day was? Like it was a bad day. Do they really want to hear all that? Or are they just like being nice? Or do they want something? <laughs> do they need something? Yeah. yeah. So if you ask specific questions, um, a, a question that I ask, if I know, if I have a friend that I know is going through something, instead of saying, how's things going? Sometimes I'll say, how are you holding up? Yeah. And that's, it's different when you ask. It's a different, yeah. you know, and, but then I'll follow up. And you have to, it. that's the thing too, is like, I mean, taking care of each other, it, it's, it takes effort from both sides. And that's another thing too, that I really want to address in this episode too, is, um, it's, we need to change that dynamic that, or that, uh, that paradigm that we have. It is okay not to be okay. If you're struggling, reach out. I mean, there's no shame in that. And even if you are nervous or embarrassed, you can reach out without anybody knowing. You know, like the whole world, the whole crew, the whole department is not going to find out. You know, if you have just one person that you could reach out to that could help you get through this tough time, you know, that's all you need is just that one person. That's all you need oftentimes. I mean, it's, it's yeah. you know, just someone to listen to me. Like, I, I, that would help me. I mean, a ton. Yeah. Sometimes it is nice just to be able to vent to somebody, but I think it's also, it's very important that all of the wildland guys and girls out there are nicer to yourselves. Like also understand, don't minimize what you did. Don't say, well, I just fought fire. What's the big deal? Or, you know, like whatever your job is, you know, what you guys do is it's important. It's hard work. It's mentally draining. It requires a lot. And don't minimize that or think, well, I didn't have a line of duty death or, you know, somebody didn't kill themselves on my crew. There's still stuff that this job affects you. It, it affects different parts of your life. And to be honest about that. No, I, I definitely agree. And that's the thing. I, I really want to stress the importance of checking in on each other and reaching out to each other and actually doing a better job of it. So I hope that everybody that's listening will make that promise to each other because it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a big deal right now. I mean, it, it is. The, it's huge. I'm How just, do you live? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say one thing I wanted to add to that. That's really important is that, um, 
eating healthy when you get home. Mm -hmm. It's okay. You know, you've been eating those horrible sack lunches or MREs and you're ready to have a burger of some sort or steak and that's cool. But with depression, sometimes we emotionally eat and you can pack on the pounds. Oh yeah. And that will affect your performance. It's also uh-huh. going to impact your uh, mental well-being, your overall self-esteem in that regard. Oh, for sure. And right, how you feel about yourself. If you're putting on some weight and not doing anything, you're going to be like, I feel gross about myself now on top of the other stuff. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. You got to take care of yourself, but it takes effort from you. But that's another thing too is like, I, I guess that, if you've reached, you know, that rock bottom to where you can't feel like you've helped yourself, that's, that's the point that you need to yeah. reach out. Yeah. To a reach out. Yeah. Yeah. And I've said before, uh, when, when we did this before, if you don't know where to reach out, you can go to my website and I have, you can either email me or, uh, I have my work cell phone listed on there. You can call me. Um, I will help you find what you need. If you don't know where else to go, I will help you. I do have a list of clinicians on my website uh, that work with first responders. You can you can look on that on the uh, if you go to my webpage and then you go to the resource section. It'll have it'll have articles also all sorts of educational articles and then uh, it'll have the list of clinicians that you can look through to see if there's any in your area. Absolutely, and you also have the National Suicide Hotline as well, and that yeah. number uh, if if it's if you guys truly need that last, uh, that, that, uh, help, if you guys need to call this number, don't, don't hesitate. It's a one 800 Don't hesitate to call it if you need to. Yeah. Uh, the other, uh, the foundation, the wildland foundation, they're a really good resource. Also, uh, if you need, you know, one of those rehabs or, uh, the retreats, uh, they will help you. I'm sure find it. Um, and maybe even if you need some money for that, they'll help you with that. Vicki Miner is such a, a big, big advocate for the wildland community. She's a saint. That's for sure. Yeah. She loves all of you guys so much. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a good show. What do you think? Linda? You got anything? I think we, no, I think we, we hit a lot of what people need to know about transitioning. I think that, uh, did we hit everything? No, because everybody's different and everybody's situations are different. So I hope when people hear this, if they don't say, well, they didn't talk about this thing that I struggle with or they missed this, we're not going to hit it all. But the idea is is to pull the main the main points out that we talked about about the tools of planning pre planning you know and building a support group having hobbies keeping yourself busy volunteering communicate you can't just come from fire season and come back home if you have not set up some sort of plan with your significant other and your family or even I mean, yourself even your even if you don't yes. have that family you still need that plan you do. But I think that the, that yes, but the extra layer, if you have a family that's been waiting for you at home, um, they're, they've been living their life. They've been doing their thing. They've been on a schedule and you have to find a way to fit into that. You can't walk in the door and expect all of them to 
stop living their life and restructure it with you. You kind of got to jump on the moving train and fit in where they need you. But that can be difficult to navigate if you don't have that conversation and you may feel left out. You may, may feel pushed out. Um, you know, I know when I was at home, a big thing was, it's kind of like, I've been doing this without you. I don't need your help. As you addressed in your book. (laughs) Yes. But, and that was unfair to my husband because, you know, he wants to be a part of the family, but we didn't communicate what that transition looked like. So I think that that's the huge thing when you're coming home with kids and, and spouses and significant others. Definitely communicate. Communication is key. It is. And pre, don't, don't wait to communicate when there's a problem. I communicate before there's a problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that was an epic episode. So, yeah. I think it was good. <laughs> I think we did. I think it was a good, I think they'll get a lot of good information. And if not, hopefully they'll know where to go if they need help. I hope so. And we're going to provide a bunch of resources too. Yeah. Um, definitely going to have that in the show notes of the episode. And if you guys don't know how to access that, it was when you go into iTunes you have a drop down. It says details. It'll have all the links posted underneath uh, in the the show description, the show notes. So definitely don't hesitate to check out those links. Also check out Minda's book. And uh, yeah, hope you guys take care of each other. Call yeah, each take other. Care. Yeah. Yes. Love on each other, even off season. Hang out together. For, yes. <laughs> for shit's sake, man. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Well, Minda, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I definitely want to thank you again for being on the show, and I'm pretty sure you're going to be a recurring guest, so we'll see you on the next one. All right. Uh, Sounds good. (laughs) Thanks, guys. All right, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, episode number 23 is in the books with Dr. Minda O's. Minda, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing your subject matter expertise in the field of mental health. I definitely appreciate it. Uh, Transitioning from the fire season into the off season can be difficult for some people, uh, a lot of people actually. Uh, I know that I've had my own personal trials with it and uh, well, I'm in a different place now, so I, I just want to say that this episode catered to the broad broader audience as far as subject matter goes and uh, not everybody's story is going to be the same so little note for you guys if you guys are experiencing any uh, issues don't hesitate to reach out to the proper channels uh, whether that be a licensed mental health professional uh, or reach out and talk to each other that's huge. It's wildly important. So make sure you guys are taking care of each other during the off season. So just want to say thank you guys for tuning into the show and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, definitely keep sharing the episodes. Tell your friends. And uh, if you guys got a little bit of time, definitely swing by iTunes and drop us a uh, review. Definitely would appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm done talking. So hope everyone's doing well. Thanks for listening.